Football Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to the Italian Football Podcast. I'm Carlo Garganesi, here as always with Nima Tavali. So the club football season is over, but the international football is still ongoing. On today's show, we will be talking about Italy's matches in the Nations League. Italy were in the semi-finals and they lost to Spain, but they beat Holland in the third and fourth playoffs. So we're going to discuss those games. There's been a lot of discussion about Roberto Mancini's position. Is he still the right man for Italy going forward ahead of Euro 2024? So we're going to discuss that and we're going to look at what we learned from these two games, the players who need to stay, the players who need to go, and the players who need to be brought into the setup. Um, also, we will be previewing Italy's under-21s, who this week kick off their European Championship, um, Euro 2023. Um, so we're going to do a preview of, uh, of the tournament. Uh, the transfer market, of course, is in full swing. It doesn't officially open in Europe till July the 1st, but um, teams are already doing business. Uh, so we are going to discuss a few uh, a few big issues around that. Rudy Garcia is the shock appointment at Napoli. A uh, huge, huge surprise. So we're going to discuss that. Um, Juventus, there's there's chaos, still chaos at Juventus um, with their transfer situation. It looks like they're going to have to make uh, over a hundred, definitely over a hundred million, maybe up to 140 million euros on sales. Uh, just to break even um, before they can even think about selling to buy. Um, so we're going to look at their situation. Inter are getting closer to Davide Fratesi. They're the red-hot favourites to sign him. He was fantastic in this international break. We discussed that. Um, also, uh, Nima versus uh, Martin Samuel beef um, rolled over into uh, into last week after the Champions League <laughs> final. So I want to I want to talk about a bit about that as well. <laughs> so we have Badger and Prem Face of the Week. We have a, another cracker on Prem Face of the Week. We're going to have plenty of those over the transfer market. Um, but for all, for all our first time listeners, this is our free weekly episode, which we do every Monday. We review the weekend Serie A action. Of course, Serie A is over. But there'll still be plenty to talk about during the transfer market. Um, plus uh, all the biggest talking points in Italian football. If you want to support the Italian football podcast and receive all our content that we do throughout the week, including our weekly Q&A episode every Tuesday, where we answer all the questions sent in from our patrons, plus our weekly Thursday midweek review show, plus interviews, post-match reaction, and much, much more, then go to patreon.com slash TIFP and become a subscriber for just two ninety nine a month plus VAT. And for all of you listening on Spotify, iTunes, and Apple Podcasts, um, we'd really appreciate it. Uh, give us a five-star rating, uh, give us a follow, subscribe to us. We're on YouTube as well, um, all the social media accounts, and it really helps us to, to grow. Okay, right, let's start off with Italy then and the Nations League. Okay, so as I said in the intro, um, Italy played Spain in the semi-finals on Thursday. They lost 2-1 with a late winner from Joselu, and that meant that Italy played in the third and fourth playoff on Sunday, where they repaired a bit of the damage in beating Holland, who were the hosts, 3-2. So they finished third, bronze medal for the second successive Nations League. Um, but the big overriding question, uh, certainly after the Spain game, but even still now after the after the Holland game, is let's start off with Roberto Mancini. And is he still the right manager 
for Italy, Nima? Yes, <clears throat> I think he is. I think he, I think it would be silly to get rid of him now, um, just because of, you know, he's. It's quite clear that what he's doing is he's looking for a new identity to build upon, and we're all watching that happen as it goes along. And he's looking for tactical, excuse me, flexibility and. Um, and 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 for, for a team that can play in many different ways and shapes and styles, and I think the Spain game to me, I don't, I like the formation. I didn't like the players used. I don't understand for the life of me why Bonucci is still on, still, still in the Italy national team, um, and players like that. <clears throat> I think you know it's it's not so much about their age; it's about the quality they deliver right now. And I don't think right now. They, you know, the, some of these players are good enough to play for Italy, especially when Italy have the players they do, um, and the the level at which they can play at, and the quality that they have. Um, I mean, Toloi, Bonucci, uh, you know, okay, Jorginho scored. Uh, sorry, Immobile scored, but is he really for the future? Like, you know, even Jorginho himself. I mean. You know, it's time to to move move away from lots of these players, and I think given. The the like you said, there's there's so much quality coming up, and there's so much young players that I think deserve a chance. I think it's time to phase a lot of them out. Uh, that, that's how I see the Spain game more than anything, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, if, if we start with the Spain game, um, I the for, for the first time after that skate that Spain game, I entertain the question seriously that we may have to debate, or I may have to consider whether Mancini is the right man for Italy. Um, I I. I I was totally uh, a big backer of Mancini after Italy failed to qualify for the World Cup. I thought that that was, you know, he made mistakes. He, he was too loyal to some of his players. But ultimately, I thought they were Italy were just ridiculously unlucky to, to not qualify for the World Cup. It's a stupid, you know, only one team qualifying. They, they, they just had one shot out of nowhere in the 91st minute. It was just everything just seemed to go against Italy. And I supported him and... I thought almost felt like that was kind of vindicated by how well Italy did in the Nations League in qualifying for the semi-finals. I mean, they came out of a really tough group, and with with Germany, with with um, with England, uh, and you know, I thought that was vindicated. Um, but 2023, uh, up to and including the Spain game, has has not been good for Italy. And what I didn't like, what I saw in the Spain game, um, I thought first of all the performance was was really bad uh, against a very average Spain team uh, who were missing key players. I watched Spain again on Sunday night against Croatia and that confirmed what I really what I saw against Italy, that this, is a, this isn't a very good Spain team at all, uh, structurally and in terms of personnel. Um, I think they're a decent team, but nothing, nothing much more than that. Um, I didn't like the formation. I know I agree that, yeah, it's good to, to test out different systems, but... It was basically three five one one going on Allegri, allowing the opposition to have the ball. I didn't like that. Uh, I didn't like the personnel though. That that is, I think, the the the, yeah, the, issue, me, every, the issue that everyone seems to have. Um, and we, we've got a segment after this where we'll look at the players that need to stay and who needs to go. But you mentioned some of them. Um, you know, Immobile, Jorginho, Toloi, um, uh, Bonucci. Um, you know, I would add Cristante there, even though he's not. You know, he's not old. Uh, maybe Cristante can do a role in 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 like a like a role player, you know what I mean, like a squad mm-hmm. rotation player. But he's not someone. I the turn. issue I have with Cristante is that Italy have so much riches in well, central exactly. field that exactly. you know he shouldn't be anywhere closer to the to the Italy squad, considering what the talent we have. 
Uh, and then, and yeah, even Spinazzola, kind of for the same reason. Like, you know, we have such riches at mm. left back. We have such, such great quality coming through. And I guess we'll see at the under-21s how some of them do. Um, you know, look, you know, I didn't like the fact that he's still playing these players. He's still loyal to these players, even after failing to qualify for the World Cup. It's like, well, if you haven't learned your lesson after failing to qualify for the World Cup, when are you going to le- uh, learn it? And Bonucci in particular, I mean, I found that selection just utterly ridiculous. I mean, he's been... Anybody that's watched him, and Juventus fans who watch Juventus every single week will tell you that he's, he's completely finished. But even those that watch him semi-regularly, you know, non-Juventus fans, I think will, will agree that this is a player that's clearly passed it. Um, his legs have gone. Um, he, he, he makes mistakes and he made a dreadful mistake for the early goal for two mistakes, actually. He got tackled twice. He got tackled, got lucky, won it back, got tackled again. <laughs> um, and, I mean, he's 36 He's going to be a year older in a year's time. He's going to be a year worse. Um, I mean, I just, I mean, I just, I, I didn't get it. And I just looked, Italy just looked stale. Um, they looked like they needed to refresh. Um, but they also lost, that they lost their cohesion and their control of games. Now, even when Italy became predictable and a little bit sterile, which you could say against Macedonia in the playoff, they were maybe sterile. They had all the possession. They were dominating the ball, but... We started entertaining the question, remember, Nima, have Italy been found out? You know, have, have they been found out? Have the, the, the patterns of play that they used during the, the Euros, have those patterns been found out by the opposition? Maybe they had, but at least Italy were controlling the game. They were still cohesive and they just weren't maybe creating enough. They weren't dangerous enough. Well, Italy had lost, completely lost their cohesion and their control in the Spain game. They, they, they conceded far too many chances and, and they broke through the lines too much and so I really, I mean, I thought apart from Fratesi, I thought that it was negative after negative in the <clears> Spain game. So I, I did entertain that question after the Spain game, I have to be honest. But, but they repair, Mancini repaired the damage in that Holland game. And that was really important because if he'd have lost that game, then I really think the knives would have been out for him. And I think he needed that win. Uh, and that game, I thought, I think, and I, and I pray that will be the, the last lesson that he needs. That you know, He made the changes. He went back to a 4-3-3. The shape looked much better. He made the personnel changes. You know, Raspadori, Retegui, Nyonto up front. Fratesi started again. Di Marco played. Bongiorno played. You know, he played much closer to the lineup that we wanted against Spain. But more importantly, there was new, there was younger, there was fresher players there. And as a result, Italy did much better. They won 3-2. I didn't think they were outstanding, but... We got positives out of the game. You know, Di Marco was fantastic. I mean, if there's any doubt now, Nima, that this guy is, is, is I don't want to say the real deal. I don't want to go that far, but that this guy belongs at this high level, then I think this was just further confirmation because he was brilliant in the Champions League final against the best team you can play against. Uh, and again, in this game, I mean, him and Fratesi were the best players on the pitch. Got a fantastic goal. And the thing about Di Marco, Nima, is he... he Whenever he gets the ball, he doesn't give it away. He uses it. He always uses He never loses it. He always uses it well. But if he's in the final 30 metres of the pitch, he always makes things happen, whether it's through an assist, whether it's through a cross, whether it's through a shot that just went over. Um, so he was great. And Fratesi as well. Uh, fantastic. Um, golden well, assist. Well, this is what you know, I've been saying about Fratesi, that I think it's a bit unfair to call him a poor man's Barella. I think he's a great player in his own right. And I and I like what I liked about the Spain game was to see Barella and Fratesi play together because I don't think there's a problem to play them together, um, and and that's what I like the most about the Spain game. Um, but I do like Fratesi 
you know, he he's taken enormous strides this season. Um, and, and, and I'm glad to see that, that he's getting the, finally getting the recognition that he deserves uh, for Italy as well. Because I think, you know, if you watched him play this season, you you won't be surprised. He's been very, very good. He's taken lots of strides. And the same thing can be said about Di Marco. Look, the thing about Di Marco is when he was very raw and unpolished uh, until Juric got his hands on him. And then since he came to Inzaghi's Inter, and Inzaghi's really got this guy improving season by season by season like that he's taking strides in his game and, and improving his weaknesses every single year he's not taking giant massive leaps in quality but he is improving um his positioning has improved his like you say his his ball retention is very good now he doesn't lose it his decision making is improving um we know how good his left foot is it's it's ridiculous when in terms of crosses and shots and, and set pieces it's it's always a threat and always will be um and, and and that's the most important thing you want to see you know he he keeps improving year season by season and and that's that's a good thing for both inter and italy to know to to, to have so no i i think you know for me destiny udoji potentially is probably a, a world-class world beater i'm just a little bit worried about the spurs move might hamper him but i think in terms of talent uh, there's no questions there but we'll see. But I do think that Italy, you know, Italy have so many players on left wing back that they can rotate in an army. Yeah, Parisi. Parisi. I'm a big yeah, fan Parisi. of Parisi. I'm as a well. huge okay. fan of Parisi. Huge yeah. fan of Parisi. Yeah, they've got so, three there, and that's why I mean with Spinazzola. Even though you know Spinazzola, Spinazzola got... can play in many positions. You see, that's Spinazzola. the thing. I would keep yeah. him in the squad. I wouldn't start him, perhaps, maybe, but I'd still keep him in the squad. Mm. Well, if, if if he can play on the right, yeah, maybe. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I thought DiMarco and Fratesi—they just offered this 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 new, uh, just 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 freshened it up for Italy, uh, and they've got quality um, as well. And Chiesa, I thought it was nice to see him score after a really tough season. Uh, he got the step over. He went past the, the best defender in history. And um, so that was that was really great. <laughs> and, uh, first first international goal in two years. I don't know whether this is more Van Dijk being finished himself or whether it's more Keza. No, but seriously, it was great. It was great to see Keza. I hope that that can that can give him. Um, no, he yeah, needed the, that. He needed the confidence that. That, that he needs. Yeah, um, for sure. You know, so I mean, these these were these were positives. Um, there were still some negatives. I mean, the number nine problem persists. Uh, Retigi was bad. Um, his first touch, his first touch is is way off what is required of a of an international striker. I mean, he he, he is so heavy. Um, it's it's, Luke, it's Lukaku at Man United level <laughs> at times, um, you know. But I want Italy to persevere with him because, you know, he's great in the air. He's actually not a bad ball carrier. When he turns and runs with it, he can he can drive into some space and, and open the pitch up a little bit. Um, but you know, I want us. The point I'm making is. You know, some of these players might not be the real deal yet, but I want us to persevere with these because, you know, the the players that we're with the other the older players that I mentioned, like Immobile, like Benucci, like Jorginho. Well, we know that they they're not they're no longer able to to give Italy what we need anymore. The new players, some of the new players, might not be able to either, but they might. Do you know what I mean? So there's yeah. still the chance there. So that's the point. That's why Mancini needs to be playing these young, these these younger players. Uh, and we saw that in the Holland game that it's actually better 
um, to, to play these players. And I think Retegui, I want us to persevere with him. Toloi, though, absolutely not. Um, he was right back in the Holland game. He was caught out for the goal. Uh, he was actually caught out twice for two Gakpo chances. Um, I'm not... You know, I've never been his fan. I don't understand what he's got, what he's doing in this national team. He shouldn't even have been in the Euro squad. I was critical back then. I just don't mm. see the the greatness here. I don't understand what Mancini. Why you know you want experience? That's great, but what experience are we? We're not exactly talking about you know Paolo Maldini at age thirty five, are we? You know, we're talking about a highly. It's a decent player. He's played at Atalanta for most of his career. He's played. He's got Champions League experience, but we're not exactly talking about you know some a legendary player who's got breadth of experience that offers that, that that's indispensable to the squad no i don't think you've already got that level player who has that experience in the squad already and i'm sorry but this you know mancini complains a lot about youngsters not getting the chance in italy well you have the chance to play young players and you still go with toloi and acerbi and bonucci so i would mm. maybe Look in but the mirror. Acherbi's performing, though. You know, well, that, but that's, yeah, but, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, no, no, I'm, he is performing. He's been outstanding. But mm. you know, he pocketed Holland less than two weeks, two weeks ago. But my point is that don't you know you can't complain that there aren't any youth youth being played, and then you start with Toloi and Bonucci. Uh, no. I'm sorry, and Ciro Immobile and Jorginho, and then complain because, especially in positions where you have options. Like, it makes no sense yeah. to me. Toloi should never play for Italy again. He should never have played for Italy, period, because he's not good yeah. enough. But, but that's it's... the thing. If, if they're still performing, you know, I'm fine. They're, they're, you, mm. It's good to have – you need to, you need some experienced players in yeah, the team for the younger do. players. It will make the younger players improve. They need to improve from playing next to these players as well as through getting the experience. Um, but, you know, Toloi clearly – I mean, I mean, he's not a right-back either. I know – it's kind of a hybrid where they, they they switch to a they turn into a back three, but no, yeah. you know he's just not he's just he's not he's not quick enough. He's 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 just no. <laughs> he makes mistakes. He, he was the worst defender in this match, uh, and you know the point is that you know what there is you gain nothing at all from playing him because one he's not performing, and two you know you're taking away the opportunity of a younger player to 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 to, to, to develop. And we saw that, you know, and even if those younger players that you play turn out to be not good enough, well, they're not going to be, they're, they're not going to be any worse than Toloi because Toloi is not pre- performing. And the same goes for some of those other players. And the best case and example is look at Buongiorno in this game. I actually thought he did well. I don't think Buongiorno's he was outstanding. I, I saw some people going overboard with how good well, he was. Yeah, of course. People, you know, they're going way overboard. They, Italy still conceded two goals in this game and, mm. and conceded too many chances for my liking. And against a port. Let me just say, a poor Holland team. Holland were a disaster under Koeman. He's a disaster of a manager. He's he's they 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 have conceded eleven goals in in three games under Koeman. They've lost three of their four games since he came on. So this isn't a good Holland team. So I don't want to get carried away winning this game. But Buongiorno showed that you know you bring put in someone, give him an opportunity, and actually at the very very least, he was no worse than the, the older players that, that played. In fact, he was better. But I'm saying at the very very least, they can't be any worse, and it gives them a chance to. To develop, so you know, I thought he was def- he was definitely a positive as well. But that the key thing here is Mancini must learn the lessons now from mm. these two games that we saw in the second game that by playing younger players that we can win, we can add more, have have something to build on. Yeah, uh, no, I think there is something to build on, and I think he just needs to learn the right lessons, and I think he has. I think the Nations League, I don't think he took. 
Yes, it's that. I mean, personally, I couldn't care less. I I cannot express how little I care about the Nations League or the finalissima and, and the, these Mickey Mouse tournaments like that. I, I don't care about. It. For me, it's still a friendly. It's a friendly like uh, Trofeo Bira Moretti Cup. You know what I mean? It's it's just I I don't care. But the the, the thing that I care about the most is when you go into these European qualifiers in September. I want to see Italy with a clear idea and a clear identity against North Macedonia and the Ukraine. I really want Italy to have an idea. I want Mancini to be ready for those games, just like he was when he took over Italy, who were in mess. He had a clear, coherent plan. He put it into practice, and then he brought in players to to play to that adapted and suited that plan. That's yeah. what I want to see him do. Against, uh, and I don't want to see him return to this because their next game is North Macedonia away, and then Ukraine at home in September. And they must win games; they have to win these games, both of them, in order if they're going to qualify. And and I don't want him to go into that North Macedonia away game, that Ukraine home game, and think right, these are big must-win games. I have to go with the experience. I have to have Immobile up front. I have to have Jorginho in centre midfield. I have to have you know uh, Spinazzola at left back. You know. I want I want him to go with the the, the attitude and that we had in the in the Holland game uh, and mm. just just unleash some of these less experienced players and, and you know so that is that is the absolute key because uh, Italy are playing cat they're going to be playing catch up now and there's only eight games in the group in the group um, so there's no room there's no room for error you know it's a five team group and Italy have already played two games they've lost one of them there's there's, there's no room for error. In this small, in these small groups, even though two teams qualify, they can't afford to make any more mistakes, and um, so they have to win these matches. And um, but if we if we can look at which players must stay and and go, and who should kind of join up with Italy, let's start off with the players that should should uh, not play for Italy anymore. Uh, I've got I've got a list as well. Um, I'll go, let me go first I'll go first and you can tell me if you disagree with any of these and if you would add any to these so players that are out I don't want to be part of the Italy squad anymore Bonucci Toloi Emerson Spinazzola I put a question mark on him I want him out for now but I want to monitor him because he, he could still potentially be, be useful Florenzi Cristanti Cristanti, not because he's too old, but because, as I said before, there's just such an abundance of top quality central midfielders that I just don't, don't think he should be anywhere near the, the, the squad. Jorginho, again, you know, let's see how he does next season. Maybe if he has a good season, he proves himself. Maybe he can come back in closer to the time. Uh, Immobile, for the reasons I said, um, this is nothing personal against Immobile. It's just that we know what he can and more what he can't do for Italy, and I just want to want to try someone else. Uh, uh, Bellotti, absolutely not, and Grifo. So these are players that are either in the latest squad who have been in the in the last few squads that I don't want part of Italy anymore. Do you agree with that? Would you add or add anyone I, else? I want I want him to decide. I think Italy should play a three five two, not a three five one one, but a three five two. And I want him to. And I think in that role, I think Immobile can actually do still, still some can still do something if he's got players close to him. Um, but, I mean, that remains to be seen because he's had a dreadful season with Lazio. Of course, there's been injuries and stuff, but he's had a really poor season and he's starting to look old. Um, and, and that's something that, you know, he's, he's a goal scorer. And if he's, if he's not even delivering that anymore and he's not 
firing on all cylinders, then I don't really see the point of having Immobile in the squad. But if you're going to play a 4-3-3, you can't have Immobile or Belotti. Like, you, you, these, they're not good enough. You have to find someone else. Uh, but if since you've got Retegi in the squad uh, and you've got, a, you've got, you know, Raspadori, I think you know that, that's that's where I would go and decide on the on the formation and and how you want to play. Although I get that he he has a very fluid formation. That's why Toloi played right back, which really wasn't like right back because they played like a three five two, essentially. But 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 basically, if that's the idea, then get players into that. But I agree with Bonucci, Toloi, Florenzi. You know these guys, Immobile, Belotti, Grifo. They they were never you know yeah move them on with 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 Spinazzola Emerson Cristante you know Jorginho I'd still keep them like in in my mind but I wouldn't have them I wouldn't build around that they're not my core players so to speak yeah I mean, Emerson will have nowhere near I mean we've got so many quality left backs I mean Emerson doesn't get above doesn't get above uh, no, Di Marco uh, Parisi Udoji no. or Spinazzola no, you know he, he should be nowhere near I can't believe he he even got a recall in that in that last squad before the, this one. Um, okay, well, let's talk about the core players then, because this is, I think, is important that these are the players that are definites that should always be in the squad, and that you build and supplement with the the newer and younger players. Yeah, yeah. So Donnarumma, and we've also got plenty of, of good enough backups like Vicario and Providel, but let's say Donnarumma, then Di Lorenzo, Di Marco, Bastoni. Uh, and a chair be providing he can he can maintain. yeah I mean, if he continues playing like this yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely providing he can maintain he's thirty five now so you know he, he but again age catches up with you quick catch absolutely up quickly. and that drop up can happen really it can quickly, happen and it does happen suddenly as well yeah it does. Benucci, but I mean if he's going to play like this where he nullifies and keeps Erling Haaland in his back pocket. You know, yeah. he has to start. In He's theory, just... Verratti should still be a, a core player, but I am a little bit alarmed by the last few months by his drop off mm. at PSG. I think and he's also, finished at this level. Also, though. he wasn't wasn't that good. But I mean, I, I don't want to. I'm not going to write him off at 30 years old for a player yeah. that, that keeps the ball so well. I'm not going to write him off. Um, I yeah, but he's talk, hope... there's even talk of him going to Saudi Arabia now. So, well, we'll see. I hope I hope that's not true. Um, but but you know, I would like to think that this is just a few months of bad form. Um, so Verratti, absolutely. Um, Barella, Tonali, Fratesi, and then Chiesa and Nyonto. Now, these are the players that I want them to build the, the team and the squad around. I want That's the midfield. That's Italy's midfield for me. Barella, Tonali, Fratesi. I don't care if it's a 3-5-2 or if it's a 4-3-3. That is, interstar- that, that is Italy's starting midfield. Barella, Tonali, Fratesi. Right now, that's who I, those are the three that should start. Um, Jorginho... If he if he continues to, to to do well in the Premiership, he can he can still have him on. He's still he's he's a very intelligent player. Verratti, same thing there with you. I mean, if he goes to Saudi Arabia, then you know goodbye. There's nothing mm. to talk about. Be, be, especially also if you take into consideration how he's looked for PSG this past you know for a long period of time now. For perfectly honest, um, but for me, Barella Tonali Fratesi, that that's that's the starting midfield. The problem is who plays as the six, who plays as the regista, who plays as they the... Don't, you don't need to have... That's the thing, though. I mean, Barella and Tonali are so versatile. I mean, that's the new midfield that we see now, that midfielders have to be able to do a little bit of everything. You can't just have one regista doing one thing. You no, no, that's be, true. Right. But I think you still need someone with the natural attributes to be able to fill in. Uh, and mm. I'm just not sure if any of those... Have I think got Tonali that. and Barella between them could do that. Fratesi, not just yet. But you know, we'll see where he goes if he can, 
you know, become more versatile. But I think Barella and Tonali have shown that they are very versatile players. Um, yeah. That they can I just think the- that with these guys here, these this core here, you've got more than enough experience. You've got more than enough players that have, have won already, won the Euros, and that can provide the, 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 the you know, what is needed that um, for, to allow... Mancini to just get rid of these other players that I mentioned that we mentioned before. You know, there's no reason you don't need to have all of those players just to be able to bring through one or two younger players. I think these are your core players, and you keep these, and then from around that, you then bring in youngsters or new players, depending on the form, depending on their development, depending on what is required required for each particular match that's coming up. Uh, and and those players, you know, none. Of, some of these are not ready yet. Some of them are not in good form at the moment. But you know, Scalvini, Parisi, Cambiasso, Udoji, Gatti, uh, even Bellanova, Buongiorno, uh, Ricci, Fagioli, Rovella, Raspadori, Zaniolo, Retegi, Scamacca, uh, uh, even Moisakin, you know, Pavundi. Like these kind of players. Let's see how they develop. Let's see how they do. Sprinkle this core players with these kind of players. And they will do more. And I would put Scam- Scamacca into the core players. Rettigi and Scamacca I would put in there in the core players because you have to. You have to build around them. If, if you're going to, because there's not a single striker in that core player list, and you need to have at least one. And I prefer to have Scamacca there. I think there's a player there. I think that, as I said on this pod, when the rumors started about West Ham, I thought I, my belief was that it was going to be a mistake, a huge mistake. I hoped I was wrong. I was proven right. Now, now he needs to return back to Italy and he needs to play regularly. He needs to get away from David Moyes as far away as he humanly possibly can. And he needs to rebuild himself because I really believe that he's the future number nine, the, 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 the focal point for Italy. I really believe that. I really He's really definitely the naturally and technically the most gifted uh, and suited um, to, to the role in terms of... Joining the play up and 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 and, and bringing others into play and, really and the quality agree. that he has, but yeah, he needs to find the, he needs to find absolutely the right club and right setup for for him. But yeah, I mean, I've read down some of these names, and you also have others that potentially could be useful. You know, depending on again, depending on form and development. You know, the likes of Calabria, you know, Romagnoli, Casale have had really good seasons at Lazio. Locatelli, who we saw at the Euros, Pessina, who I think is very underrated, Castrovilli, who's Huge talent, you know. Even players like Politano, you know. Yeah, Berardi, there is quality. I def, you know, you have to have Berardi as well. I think Berardi. Well, Berardi as well. I mean, there is quality there. Yeah. The point is that you know, you've got those core players. Sprinkle it in with the best of these lot, depending on how things go. And these and that this squad and team will do a hell of a lot better than taking those core players, but having Bonucci, Toloi, Emerson, Florenzi, Cristiano. These kind of players who. Who are old and and we know, you know, we've had the answers in the last two years of what they can provide, and that's not going to change. They're only going to get older. So, this is what Mancini needs to do now going going forward. He has to, and if he doesn't, then he has to go. It's simple as that. Mm. He can't be loyal. Can't show any more loyalty to the. To these, no, no, no. Enough. Enough is enough. Enough of this Italian thing that they do about loyalty and stop it. Like it's a new tournament. The past is the past. You've already missed two World Cups in a row. Like, stop, move over, move on. Yeah, absolutely. We're talking about moving on, talking about the future. It is this week, the the beginning of the Euro 2023, the, the under-21 European Championship, which is uh, taking place 
in Romania and Georgia. And Italy have been drawn in Group D. Uh, they have France in their group, which is going to be incredibly difficult. They're a fantastic team, but they've got Norway and Switzerland also in their group. So Italy will be fancying their chances of, of getting through the groups. If they do that, they will then play a team from the group uh, containing Romania, Spain, Ukraine and Croatia. And then in the semi-finals, they will probably meet France again. So they're a little bit unlucky that they will have to play France twice. Um, I'll read out the squad and then we can discuss um, what we think ahead of going into this tournament. So the the goalkeepers are Caprile from Bari, Canesecchi, Cremonese, Turati from Frosinone, defenders Bellanova, Inter, Cambiasso, Juventus on loan at Bologna, uh, Cittadini from uh, Modena, Lovato from Salernitana, Occoli from Atalanta, Parisi from Empoli, Pirola from Salernitana, Scalvini from Atalanta, uh, Ienom, uh, Udoji, Ienom Udoji, Udinese, Bove Roma, uh, Salvatore Esposito from Spezia, uh, Miretti Juve, Ricci Torino, Rovella Monza, Tonali Milan, uh, and in the forwards, Cambiaghi, uh, Empoli, uh, Cancellieri from Lazio, Colombo, um, Milan on loan at Lecce this past season, Nyonto, Leeds, and Pellegrini. Torino. So, what's your what's your overall view of that of that squad? Nemo? I love that squad. I really, really like it. I, I, I really like the. I mean, Karanaseki for me is the number one. Uh, Turati's had a great season, and so has Caprile as well. Um, so, great goalkeepers. The defense I really like, um, especially Pari. For me, this is such a this this is genuinely difficult. Do you play with a back three, um, which I think I would do. Or do you play with a back four, which would also work? Because you have you're really spoilt for riches. Um I, I think Cambiaso is great. Uh he's had a great season. Parisi for sure. Scalvini Udoji, we know how good they are. Ocoli, I'm a big fan of. Lovato Bella. No, I love I love this team. Defense and- is defense is stacked. How the hell you have to leave out one of Parisi and Udoji? It just feels wrong. One of those one of those is not gonna start. It and then you have like a mid- are- yeah, yeah sorry, I was going to say to answer your question, it seems like they're going to play a three-five-two. That, well, they should because that's what that's what um, the, the the coach um, whose name is now was his name has escaped me. Nicolato, um, no. yeah. yeah so um, Paolo Nicolato. So that's what he's intimated at that it's, it's going to be a three-five-two. Yeah, and that's fantastic because I get the midfield three that I want um, because then you can play Bellanova or Cambiaso on the right. You can play Ocoli, Scalvini, and then or Lovato in the middle, or and then either Parisi or Udoji on the wing back, um, mm. and then in midfield, okay, Ricci, Rovella, Tonali has to start, and he will. Uh, I think you know. Then you can choose one from Bove, Esposito, Miretti, Ricci, Rovella next to him. It'll be one of Rovella or Esposito that will start because it'll be they'll be the deep liar. Deep line player. I, I, wanted... What about? I think Ricci might actually. Yeah, I, I mean, I would have liked. Like, well, Ricci can play as a Mezzala too, yeah, though, no? Yeah, but I, I like to see him as it. But we'll see. And then Miretti's done really well, and Bove is a player I'm really excited about. So yeah. the midfield trio is is. Uh, There's lots of quality. That yeah. midfield is going to be up there with the best midfields yeah. in, the, in the tournament, no doubt about it. Maybe the best. Maybe. And the then best up midfield. front, three five two. For me, it's Colombo Nyonto. Like that's what I would start. Lorenzo Colombo will start, and then I'd start Nyonto next to him. Um, yeah, 
But yeah, three five two. I mean, Colombo. I think this is going to be finally the tournament that opens people's eyes to Colombo. Um, mm. I really rate this player, and I think he's shown such maturity and, and calm and cool. He's got a right, he's got a good head on his shoulders as well, and I think this is going to be the tournament where he wants to prove himself. Yeah, I think I think that I think Italy have a strong squad. Um, I think they're definitely contenders. They definitely, I mean, they've got an excellent goalkeeper at this level, Kaneseki. They've got lots of quality and depth in defence, um, certainly in the wide areas and and in the wing back areas and the midfield. As we've said, lots of quality at this level. Probably, I mean, I, I think probably the best midfield in the in the tournament and. Uh, the issue for me is goals in attack. I'm not saying there's not quality in attack. I mean, Nyonto, we know, uh, is a fantastic talent. Um, you know, I'm not saying, you know, Cambiaghi's had a really strong end to the yes, season yes. With, with Empoli, albeit in a different system. Um, okay, Cancellieri hasn't played much. Pellegrini, I mean, he's he's been injured for years. Um, Colombo, you know I'm a fan of him, but he's had a bad 2023 um, the calendar year. Um, so my, my 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 question is: Is there enough goals in the in this team? I think in goals the will come. That's the issue. No, I, I think the goals will come. I think the goals will will come from from uh, from the midfield and 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 Colombo. I, I see. I'm not worried about that at all. I think Tonali is going to be someone they count on a lot on set pieces and 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 to you know shoot because he's got a good shot on him actually. Um, but no, I, I'm not worried. Um, I, 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 I'm not worried. I, I, I don't. I think there is goals in this team. Uh, I think Colombo is going to be incredibly important because he's he's a big lad, he's strong in the air, and and he's got a good head on his shoulder. Now, this is his tournament to shine. I, I've all, you know you know how much I've been a fan of his, um, but I think this is this is his tournament. This is his turn to time to show show shine. And I think someone like Bove from midfield making runs in deep is is also someone who's going to have a great tournament. At least that's why I hope. Yeah, it's hard, it's hard to know who 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 they pick. But um, this, so this is my problem that's is this: I'm tired of the Italy under twenty one having dream team after dream team year after year, and having a manager that's just not good enough. Well, that's, that your... brings me on. That was my other question. I've got two question marks about this squad. One is: Do we have enough goals in the attack? And number two is: Is the coach? I have to be honest. He's 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 a he's a. This is like Di Biagio. Like I'm yeah. hoping it's not because I'm, I really think this is a quality side, but. I have big questions over the, the under twenty one selection coaching staff, um, and I have it, and it's not just now; it's been continuous for years now. Um, mm. And I hope I'm wrong. I really do because I think Di Biagio is one of the worst coaches I have ever seen at any level. Um, but I, I hope that Nicolato is is not that, and that he can actually show maturity uh, and tactical maturity. Uh, that we've uh, that we're, we're you know because we're not very you know he's not very well known, but we'll mm. see. No, absolutely. I mean, Nicolato is is a, is a is a question mark. Um, I, I'm I'm unlike you. I'm not I'm not hundred percent sure on a three five two, but I I, I do recognise it is the most suitable for the for the players that, that we've got. We don't have maybe the enough quality in attack to justify playing three up front, in my opinion. So I can, I, for that reason, I think playing two maybe is the way to go. Um, but yeah, I am. I, I'm not sure, Nicolato. I'm not. Yeah, he's he's come. Appears to me to be yeah a little bit, a little bit dated in some of his football. But 
We'll see. We'll see. We hope the players can do it. Um, I mean, this is a tournament that Italy absolutely dominated when I was a kid growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, they won. Yep. I remember in the 90s, they won three. Uh, three, mm-hmm. three of these Euros. And then they won two in the early 2000s. They see... Between 1992 and 2004, they won five of seven tournaments, which is, which is insane, absolutely insane. But we, since winning in 2004, in Euro 2004, they've played in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine Euros, and they've not been knocked out in the group stage four of those nine times. They didn't qualify for another of those. That's five. Uh, where they haven't got past the group stage. And then they've got to a quarterfinal, two semifinals, and then one runners-up, which was 10 years ago. I mean, what I'm reading an interview with Nicolato now that, that I thought was really interesting. I mean, he says, there's a big debate on tactical systems, but I maintain it's not a system that makes you win or lose games. Anyone who thinks like that is 30 years out of date. I don't believe there is a defensive and an attacking tactical system. It's just shapes that are more or less suited to the players. In 10 qualifying games for the Euros, we played seven with a 4-3-3 formation, one with a 4-2-3-1, two with a 3-5-2, and in the friendlies, we went with a 3-5-2. A coach must be able to use many different systems, then consider the players at his disposals, uh, disposal and the strategy. Football has evolved. It's more about putting players in a position that will allow them to express their talent. We started playing 3-5-2 at the under-21 squad because we didn't have any wingers available and all our defenders at club level play with three at the back. It wasn't my own individual choice. I've been coaching for 35 years and 30, 30 of those have been with four at the back. But if needed, I can and must adapt. Yeah, I like that. Well, it's, it's easy. Yeah, but I mean, if, yeah, I, I agree with the words, but it's easy to say words, and then you know, just then you have to just watch how he plays, <laughs> watch how his teams play. You know, and about like, Nyonto, I really like it. He says, "Look, I see Nyonto as more of a striker." Uh, including a centre-forward. He's played as a winger at club level and for Italy, but it doesn't seem like a classic winger to me. If anything, part of two up front or a centre-forward in a 4-3-3 because he attacks the space and has that sprint in the final third. Yeah. That, to well, me, tells I, me it's going to be Colombo Nyonto, and I'm really happy about that. Well, yeah, that was the interview that I read where it, it, mm. he basically admitted he's going to play a 3-5-2. Uh, yeah. And I think that's for certain. He's only picked five forwards, I believe. Yeah. So you, yeah. you don't... You don't pick five forwards if you're going to play three up front. And I agree with him on Yonto not being a winger and being more of a striker. I actually agree with him on that. That's how I, to be, I think he has the attributes to play both. That's I think fair. he has the That's attributes. Fair. I think he has the attributes to play both because he did. He did play for uh, before he moved to, to Leeds for um, who was it? He played for Zurich. Zurich. Sorry, Zurich. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. When he played for Zurich, he played in a front two. Hmm. He played in a front two for Zurich. I don't know where he played for in the inter youth system, but for, for for Zurich he played in a front two, uh, and and then for but then for Leeds he's played as a as a what winger mm. um, for for Leeds and 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 looked fantastic um, once he made the breakthrough there. So I mean I think he has the attributes to play to yeah. play in both to play in both roles, which is good, which is what you want. That's what what we want from modern players. Um, yeah, the only thing I would say is there's one team I do fear in this tournament, and in terms of quality of their play. And their, their form hasn't been that great, and that's France. France have an incredible quality in, yeah. their, in their sport. But France of all yeah. in the recent years, them and Germany, they, they produce on a, you know they produce some some incredible yeah. talent in the youth level. Oh, well, you mean yeah. you look look through their squad? I mean, Taram, uh, who's the who is the best Taram of the the best of the Taram brothers? Really, Kone, you're, not, you're, not, you're not a fan of Marcus? Well, I'm a fan of him, but there's I think there's Kepler and Taram definitely has the highest uh, ceiling mm-hmm. of the lot. I mean, did you see him in yeah. this season? I mean, wow, this guy is a he's 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 
everywhere. Uh, I mean, Kone, I think, is great. Olise has done really well at Crystal Palace. This uh, Wahi has been linked to to a lot of uh, big uh, European clubs, including Juventus. Kalimwendo, uh, uh, Cerchi, Guiri. Um, Mancini was trying to steal Cerchi for the Italy national team. And so, I mean, they've got they've got so much quality. So I do feel like France are the biggest uh, contenders. So it will be a good gorge to see how they get on because that's who Italy start their tournament on Thursday against France. Yeah. And, and, and speaking of Italian coaches, um, Antonio Di Salvo at Germany in this tournament as well. Uh, going to be interesting to see that's how he right. does. That's right. That is right, yeah. Mm, interesting. It's going to be interesting. Talking about coaches, let's move on. Talking about new appointments. Um, <laughs> this, I, I, I couldn't believe it. I, I saw I saw it on Twitter um, during the, I think it was during the Italy against Spain game, actually, when the announcement mm. was made, or just before. And at first I thought it was a joke. I thought this this this, this can't be true, surely. And then it, it actually happened to be, to be real, and that is that Rudy Garcia has been appointed as the new manager <laughs> of Napoli. And the only way to describe this, Nimmer, is, is just bizarre, no? It is bizarre. It is absolutely bizarre. He hasn't won anything in, almost, in over a decade of importance. He got sacked from his job in Saudi Arabia. Um, he had one good season at Roma, if you ask me. Um, did all right at Lille, you could say. But to take that, I mean, I've been trying to be quiet, uh, or I have been quiet about, ADL because I thought he actually had a backup plan. Whether or not he did, this was not his backup plan. This was an emergency panic appointment. There is no way you can tell me that he was thinking that Rudy Garcia was his first choice after Spalletti left. Um, There's no way that's true. Um, And, you know, it's to me... Sorry, Leon is, is the club I was meant to be, um, talking about. He did all right yeah, with he won, Marseille. He won the league with Lille, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he won the league with Lille. It was Leon and Marseille he did all right with. But he didn't do, you know. But to me, this just tells me that De Laurentiis bit off more than he can chew and that he's risking here. This could turn out to be a fantastic appointment. But as the champ, reigning champions of Italy, the team that could have maybe done something in the Champions League, Rudy Garcia does not instill confidence in terms of keeping star players and wanting them to continue at Napoli. No. I'm sorry. It no, just I agree. doesn't. It's, it's it a mischance. It's a huge mischance. And it's a mischance at best. And it's a huge own goal at worst. Yeah. In a sense, like you said, after what Napoli did last season, the squad that they have, we know they're going to lose Kim Min Jae. But this was an opportunity to attract a top coach and, and build on that. And, you know, Napoli, everyone's talking about Napoli. Even, even, uh, even Prem faces are talking about Napoli. <laughs> like, that's, that's how, you know, what they did last season and the football they played and the story. And everybody recognises, even Prem faces, recognise that Ossiman and, and Kvarat Scalia, and there's no guarantee Ossiman will leave, by the way, because De Laurentiis is asking for so much money, uh, you know, that they've got these players that you think, wow, you know, they can build on this, you know, and with a top coach, they can they can attract some some players and who knows you know we've seen what they've done um, and then they appoint Rudy Garcia and that is no just- it's 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 a joke for me I'm sorry and I, and from a Napoli perspective I'd be furious I'd really be furious um, but you know again first of all if if this was always if if you 
he should have tr- he should have kept Spalletti. Like this is this is the thing. Yeah. This just makes the entire Spalletti situation look so stupid, even even more even dumber than it than than needed to be. Because you know you you, you should have just kept your coach. You should have just sat down with Spalletti, offered him a contract extension, and given him the wages that he deserves. Maybe not not overpay, but also not underpay. And not just automatically extend his contract to piss him off and he walks out the door and then you go turn to Rudy Garcia. I mean, I don't know how much, do you know how much, I'm not sure how much Rudy Garcia is getting paid. Obviously, I'm sure the financial side of things is the reason why De Laurentiis has gone for Garcia because he's going to have a low salary compared to, the, compared to the other coaches. But when you add that to the salary that he's still going to pay for, for De Laurentiis because he's going to be seeing out his final year, then... Spalletti, you mean? Doesn't really make. Yeah, sorry, Spalletti. Yeah, so it doesn't. It doesn't. Doesn't really make much sense. Uh, and of all the options that De Laurentiis had, I mean, you know, he talked to Luis Enrique. Then there was, you know, Nagelsmann was available, and it's Italian. But here's the thing. I mean, Luis, I mean, Luis Enrique are, going to PSG is a smart move, finally by PSG. So yeah. I understand that he wanted to go there because I, you and I both rate. Luis, uh, Luis yes, but, but, but PSG were but PS, he wasn't PSG's first choice. Uh, mm. PSG were in negotiations that they, they basically had Nagelsmann. Nagelsmann then let them down at the last minute. When when De Laurentiis was was in the negotiations with Luis Enrique, PSG weren't even on the on the mm. table. You know, so he could have closed that deal if he wanted. To, to me, obviously. that would have been a dream appointment. Yes. Now that is a, that is an appointment where you say, well, actually, getting rid of Spalletti, maybe De Laurentiis had a had a plan, like yeah. you said, he had a plan, and this was. Maybe a master plan, and he's proven going to prove. No, because no, I think again. that squad with Luis Enrique's football would be. I mean, that would have yeah. been an attraction, like <laughs> you know. And and the, the funny thing is, like I think when when Luis Enrique's Spain, I thought well they played fantastic football, but they didn't have a number nine. Well, here he had Victor Osimhen. So yeah, they didn't have a number nine. They didn't have any attackers. <laughs> yeah. So yes. here he would have had Victor Osimhen. So yeah. now I, I I I hope for Napoli's sake that this doesn't end up in the shithouse to put it bluntly but there it's difficult is a to find it's difficult to find anything to, to suggest well actually maybe he no, might be all I right. think look I think he'll get them in the top four I think that's still you know based on where we are now on 19 June 19th when we're recording this and not too much has happened on the Mercato and it's kind of a sluggish start to most teams I think Napoli are still a top four side and I think you know Garcia Rudy Garcia is good enough to get them in the top four but he was. That's not what De Laurenti said. His own words were a dynasty. Rudy Garcia is not a is not how you start a dynasty. I'm sorry. Um, I could be wrong, but nothing in his career, mm-hmm. nothing in his football to this point suggests that you build a dynasty with Rudy Garcia. Well, no, like you said, sacked by Al Nasser or, or sacked by Ronaldo, more like. Yeah, well, yeah exactly. <laughs> but, he was sacked by Ronaldo. He was sacked by Ronaldo. They didn't get on. But, you know, since being sacked by Roma when, was that 2016? He was mm. sacked by Roma. Mm. He's only coached in France and then Saudi Arabia. Uh, no disrespect to those, those, those places. But, I mean, it, it doesn't, you know, he's 59 years old. So he's, exactly. coming, he's, he's coming out of the elite. He's been out of the elite of football for, for, let's say, seven years. He's been, you know, they plunged him out of the wilderness, really, mm. uh, at 59 years old. <sighs> okay, he got to a Champions League semi-final with Leon. And that, that a few years ago, which was, I mean, it was a big surprise, but I don't know what to grasp on. He plays a 4-3-3, so I, mean, I guess that suits the players that Napoli have, so that they, maybe they won't be necessarily, he won't have to reinvent the wheel. To, to, with, with the no, no, the, the, the system is pretty much the same. The difference was that what made 
Napoli so good last season was the fact that they could alternate between a 4-2-3-1 and 4-3-3 in games. They had their wingers who were able to... Spalletti found the perfect system in so that they weren't too easy to read when they were firing on all cylinders. He, you know, he had the fullbacks push up, he had the wingers invert, you had an Ossiman who was all over the place who helped them out, the midfield that was fantastic, a, a defence, def- the best defender in Europe, in the world last season, in my opinion, Kim Min-jae, who allowed them to play with a high defensive line as well. You know, th- th- those, that's a, you know, if he leaves, who are you going to replace him with? And whoever it is, is probably not going to be as good as Kim Min-jae. You don't find players like Kim Min-jae growing on trees. Um, mm. You know, so, so there is, there is, there is going to be a drop-off. The question is, is that drop-off, you know, is is Garcia the right man to continue on Spalletti's work, or is he going to be a more rigid 4-3-3, which then allows, you know, which then cr- creates lots of holes, and then if you don't find a quick defender who can replace adequately, Kim, can replace Kim Inge adequately, well, you've got, a big, you've got a mess on your hands, because then Napoli are going to hemorrhage goals. Um, they're going to leave lots of space behind, and then he's playing catch-up. So there are question marks there. But having said that, if Kim and Jay is the only player Napoli lose, um, they are able to bring him in to bring in a, a, dec- a quick defender who can replace him well. You know, they're still the champions of Italy. They, they're still a side with all the quality players they have. Um, you know, you know what can Garcia do? Can he build on it? Can he maintain it? That yeah. that's going to be the question. And now, if, I, if I'm a Napoli fan. Uh, a negative thinking Napoli fan. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'd be thinking we've lost Spalletti and we've got Garcia in. We may lose Juntoli and his close staff members, but even if we keep Juntoli, well, how motivated is he going to be? Because we know he's going to leave in a year's time. Um, it, I mean, Juntoli wasn't even told about Garcia's appointment. He didn't even know anything about it till he saw which it is on insane. social Again, media. Which yeah. is completely mental because... Like... Then you just brought in a coach over the head of your sporting director, who you've worked so well with. Mm. It's just <sighs> where is the synergy? Yeah, no, it's but insane. what is what are you doing? Like you, you don't need to go full on crazy, you know, Roman emperor just because you won one scudetto. You know mm. you, what made you successful was that you had an organization in place, despite you know you being bombastic. But now you've gone full on you know, crazy Roman Empire appointing his horse as Secretary of State because you've won one <laughs> battle. And it's like, well, this could, this could easily, this could easily blow up in his face. And he doesn't, you know, it's, it's, it's a shame because I actually think that when you look at Napoli and the football they played and what they built there, there was actually the building blocks in play to do something interesting for the, you know, to, to build something sustainable and long term who was but, that the Caligula was it yeah Caligula. I think it was yeah, Nero or Caligula yeah I mean it's <laughs> it's it's um, you know he, 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 <laughs> I love that story <laughs> yeah, naming your horse Secretary of State um, uh, no but seriously it's it's like yeah no it's no I, yeah it is what it is. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's people people. It wasn't Caligula. It was um. It was it was, Nero. It was I think it was Nero. I think no, it was no, Nero. it was definitely. Oh, I think it was Caligula. He made okay. him a consul. Yeah, he made him. He made him a consul. But yeah, hmm. he Roman did lots Senate. of things. He, I think it was Caligula who also ordered the Roman uh, legions to attack the English Channel and take shellfish as prisoners of war. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well. 
maybe De Laurentiis will do that next, maybe. <laughs> yeah, but this is what I mean. It's, it's just like, you know, stop, you know, this is the problem when you have someone, like, I, I actually think he's a very competent person, but the, the problem is that when you, when someone's ego is massaged, when someone with a big ego has success, they tend to forget what made them successful in the first place. Mm. Um, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I have a feeling that this would be the most Napoli thing ever to have this everything just explode in his face and he chased out of town when with a little bit of patience and calm and diplomacy they could have actually built something really historic and sustainable here for example they could have kept Luciano Spalletti for goodness sake like yeah. he's 64 years old he wasn't going to go anywhere there wasn't exactly you know he had he, you sit down with him you say look I can't afford more than this, but we can actually do something. I'm going to keep this. Some, do you know what I mean? Like, do something. But this notion of just extending his contract, not talking to him, and him just feeling like I'm done with you, then, you know, nah, it's it's yeah. silly. And, and they're Kim's not even gonna, telling Kim, Juntoli Kim's about it. Like, that's the Kim, thing. Juntoli didn't even know about it. It's, yeah, it's just, Kim, Kim's going to leave and Osman <sighs> potentially. But then what's the point Kim? of keeping Juntoli for the next 12 months? Like, do you know what I mean? Like the, the whole thing just falls on his face when. Well, I think I think it's pretty clear that De Laurentiis is slowing down the process because he wants to mess Juventus up, um, which mm. is which is you know I can understand that's 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 you know you're, they're a rival you want to you want to complicate things for your rivals but you're actually you're actually stabbing your, yourself in the in in the you're in cutting the your nose well. to spite your face, yeah. um, and that to me is stupid. That's it. They, they are. They, I mean, they're harming Juventus at the moment, Napoli, uh, De Laurentiis, is, but they're also harming themselves because Napoli are not able to do anything in the market either, really. Mm. Anyway, talking about Juventus, uh, Juventus's transfer market is is in chaos uh, at the moment. They need to make over a hundred million. Some have said, I think Romeo Agresti, who we're going to get onto the pod before the end of the month, he's promised promised to come on to talk about this in, in more detail, has said it could be as much as 140 million euros that mm. Juventus need to make from player sales. This is what happened even, to Inter immediately after they won the Scudetto and uh, they won, uh, you know, they had to make a net pro- profit of 140 million to end the uh, summer. Inter. Yeah, Inter, yeah. That's yeah. what I said. After the, after the when when Conte mm. resigned and left, and they came out of it pretty well. I mean, okay, they haven't won the Scudetto in the last two years, but they've shown that you know if you have the right people in charge, you, there is the possibility you can build something. Unfortunately, I don't think Juventus have those people mm. in charge. Don't have anyone in charge at the moment. But anyway, this is where Juventus are at um, at, at the moment. And um, once they've done that, they then need to sell in order to buy. So they make their hundred to hundred and forty million. And then if they want to buy someone, they have to sell someone else and then they will use that money to, to buy. So, you know, you can see that the, the situation that Juventus are in is not good, um, not qualifying for the Champions League. This, this is the money that needs to be paid back. Um, now, they will have to sacrifice at least one big name star this, this, uh, this summer. It's probably going to be two, I think. I think um, it's going to be two. If you, take into, if you take into account what I've just said about them needing to then sell to buy, for that reason, because I think they can probably make enough to to pay back, uh, to break even by selling Vlaovic. He's the chosen one, right? He's mm. the one that 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 they are going to try and sell to make. They've they, they put a price tag on him of eighty million. I think they'll do incredibly well to get eighty for him. But that's what they're that's what they're going for. They've already sold Kulusevski for thirty million. Uh, they've already made just under ten million from selling some some small players like Jaguzin and. And a, and a couple of others. 
Um, so they've already made close to 40 million um, already. So they, they need to basically make another 100 million. Um, if they sell Vlaovic for 80 uh, or 70, um, that takes a big chunk of it. And then all of the midfielders who return from loan, um, Juventus have put up for sale. So we're talking Weston McKenney, Zakaria, Arthur Mello, um, some other loan players as, too as well, like Luca Pellegrini, who was at, who was at Lazio. Um, so, you know, they sell those, they will get over the mark. Um, but obviously... <laughs> they're in a they're in a tough very tough situation you know they're in a complete mess um this is the this is what they should have done had they had they sorted this out uh, in in just when inter and everyone else had to after covid they wouldn't be here lots of things wouldn't have happened they, first of all they'd be in the champions league this season which have, which would have eased the blow a little bit much more um so you know but here they are, and you got you know you you can't, you can't kick the can down the line too much either in life. You have to bite the bullet at some point, and this is going to be the season where they bite the bullet. And I think this is going to be a found. I think this is going to be the season where they basically look at it and go, okay, uh, now it's uh, what 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 do what formation do we play? Who can we sacrifice? We get rid of them, try to bring in young and homegrown. And then go from there, and that's why they're so keen on Fratesi. That's why they've been linked with, you know, so many of these younger Italian players. And I think that's the right way forward for all for all Italian clubs, but Juve especially. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, Romeo, like I said, Romeo will come on maybe next week, um, and he will come on soon, and he will go into more detail on on um, kind of what the plans are. But I think a key aspect is, like you said, they need to pick a formation a system, then build their transfer market in terms around of outgoings that. and players coming in Absolutely. around that. I that's still something, think... That's I something still that think. Juventus haven't done. I can just finish. No. That, that is something that Juventus haven't done for... I would even go far, date back as far as when they signed Ronaldo. Basically, when Paratici took charge of the ship. Mm. Um, Juventus stopped building their their, their their transfer market around the formation. They just brought in players... Some players that could play in some system, one system. Some players that can play in another system. Last year was was an absolute joke in that regard. They had certain players that could play uh, um, in systems with wingers, and some that, that couldn't. And the same with the defence. You know, you buy uh, you know you buy a Bremer who who can't play in a in a back four, can only play in a back three, uh, and then you have Chiesa, for example, who can't play in a. I think Chiesa can play as a second striker, like in a three-five-two, honest, or a three-four-three. I really think that. I'm not saying as a wing back. No, 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 no. Never a wing back, but either as a winger in a three-four-three or as a or as a second striker in a three-five-two. I, I, well, I believe yeah, we've had this debate before. I disagree in a three-five-two. He's never proven it ever in a three-five-two. Mm-hmm. Um, but and he hates it as well. That's one of the reasons he wants to leave. But you know, I, I, I think that you know, the Juventus need to go back to saying right. Decide now, June yeah. the nineteenth. Yeah. Decide yeah. now. Next season we're playing a four-three-three, and our transfer we'll build our transfer market around that. No more of this buying players and then trying to sort the formation out afterwards, and then chopping and changing. Allegri's playing one. I know he likes to do that, but that needs to stop as well. He needs to decide right. This is my main formation. Okay, sometimes I might need to change it within games, and if I've got adaptable and versatile players that can do that, even better. But the starting point, the foundation needs to be. Playing a four-three-three, we're playing a, a back three, and and we're sticking with it. And that I think is dependent on you know. There's rumours that Bremer and Kostic could be sold. Yeah, Bremer and Kostic so. will be sold if they go back to a back four because Bremer 
is not ideal in a back and Kostic four. Kostic would be still, a waste I, of space in a back four. Like a complete well, yeah, he waste. Yeah, he can't play there either. But if they were to go with a back three, then Chiesa, uh, Ealing Jr. could be sold because they're not um, suited to, to, to that system. So that, I think, is a lot will depend on that. Um, but they are, yeah, they get rid of a lot of players. Quadrado, Paredes, Di Maria are all going to be released. Alexandro, they're looking to, 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 to get rid of, release him as well, even though he still has a, another, contra- another year on his contract. Um, but, you know, as I was saying, we touched upon in the Napoli uh, segment, is that, you know, Juventus are in limbo because Juntili's situation is not resolved. Um, you know, they want him now, but they might not be able to get him for a year, a year's time. So Giovanni Manna, who is the director of the next gen, and has done a good job. Let's be honest. For next, a- yeah, for ge- the next gen, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, he's been the caretaking sporting director um, at the moment. Uh, so he's in inter- in an interim role, which is not ideal at all. Nice. Uh, so you know, as we stand, you know, it's kind of like nothing is really clear right now, other than we know Juventus need to make all this money back uh, and then take it from there. So. Yeah, it's a mess. It's a mess. It's not how you want to start your transfer market because you want to start it early. You want to be on the front foot and you're yeah. already planning and that gets you ready. Um, pre-season training starts, actually not that long until pre-season training starts, only a few weeks away. You know, you want yeah, most well, of your players there. And Yeah, if you're going to play in the Conference League, we're, lit, we're what are we talking, four weeks, three weeks, like from now? I mean, it's, yeah. 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 So it's a mess. But like I said, we'll get Romeo on and I'm sure he will... They'll be able yeah. to explain a, a little bit more. I wouldn't and be surprised if Artur Melo was somehow reintegrated back into the Juve squad properly. Not and not I, with Ale- not with Allegri as man. I mean, Allegri's even come out and said I, he doesn't suit my football. Um, yeah. So I mean, he'd have to go back on that. But I mean, I would not be surprised if Allegri if if Artur Melo is at Juventus next season, though, no. because uh, there's no market for him. No. I and I think Allegri's smart again. enough to understand that in the situation he's in. Um, I don't think... Yeah. Allegri's not an idiot, despite what you think. Um, <laughs> he's not. He knows what he's doing. And I think he, he has a very pragmatic approach to life and football. He looks at what he's got. He looks at the situation. And he thinks, okay, well, I have to make this work. And then I will make it work. Um, uh, so I think we'll... You, I, 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 you know, we'll see what happens in August, but I wouldn't be surprised if Artomelo had a second spring at Juve. If he can stay fit is the mm. key. That's the key. Yeah. If he ever had a first spring, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, he had it at Barcelona. He wasn't a bad player at Barcelona. Yeah, but I mean, at Juventus. Oh, I'm yeah. Sure he had a, I'm sure yeah, but he Juventus had have been a spring. burning dumpster fire for like half, like four or five years now. It's like... <laughs> Uh-huh. What can you do? Fratesi to Inter, Nima. Mm. Are you how we what was the situation there? What's the no state look? Inter, play? Inter. The, the the situation is this: Inter don't need to make a after two summers of having to end it on a profit of both summers combined, somewhere around 190 million. They they are in a situation where it's one out, one in, meaning plus minus zero, which is a f- fantastic and vast improvement on previous seasons. What that also means is that Fratesi has been very clear he doesn't want to leave the Serie A, which I think is incredibly wise of him. I wish more Italian youngsters would, would take that advice because I don't think they go into the Premier League uh, and and because, you know, Italians, you know, also the Italian mentality, like, you're, you know, they should stay in the south of Europe. You know, they, they like that lifestyle. 
you know, England is different. It's a different climate. It's different food. It's different culture. The media is different. Everything is different. Spain, Portugal, it- Italy, they're not too different, you know? So I, I, I like, I think he's, he's, he's showing maturity that he's like, no, I'm not ready for a, for, for a move abroad yet. I want to stay here regardless of how much money I'll make essentially. So, no, Inter have a pretty much a deal in place with him. I think it's Mulatieri plus thirty-five million. It's a loan with an obligation to buy over two seasons, uh, also known as the Beppe Marotta special. Um, but then, in order to do that, they have to sell a player, and that's why I think the re- the reason why these Barella rumors started was because they've you know if you look at if you if you don't understand football very well and you understand that Fratesi and Barella are very similar, and you say, well, one of them has to leave in order for the other one to come in, and ergo you see the circus we saw about £50 million, which seems to be some sort of mental glitch in the heads of the English mainstream media, that Barella's worth £50 million and not a penny more. They've decided that for everyone else. Um, (laughs) The problem is that it's not their decision to make, and Inter basically laughed at the whole thing and said, he's worth £100 like, go away. Um, so, you know, you, 100 million, let's talk, Euros. So I think Brozovic is the one that they have to get rid of. Um, it, it, it's either that or Barella or Onana. And for me, you don't sell Onana and you don't sell Barella. If you have to make space, for me, it's even though I love Marcelo Brozovic, don't get me wrong, but I mean, out of those three, Who's, who's younger, who's got the most potential, who's got his best years ahead of him, or who has most of his best years ahead of him, well, it's Barella and Onana are younger and they have their best year, more peak years ahead of them than Brozovic, 30-31. It's, it's just that simple. It's, it's a shitty situation, but here we are. Um, finally, you know, Inter are in the settlement agreement with uh, as well uh, because for, for violating UEFA's financial fair play rules, which is a joke. Uh, especially when you have Chelsea doing what they're doing uh, with 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 Saudi Arabia, who PIF, who are now in are pretty much in, bought part parts of the. Yeah, investment. I'm sorry. Can, we have to talk about this. This is this is absolutely ridiculous. Like everything that we're saying about the about the financial gulf in football and how the Premier League is the Super League and and how it's just impossible for any other league or team from any other league, with the exception of PSG, competing with with the Premier League. And now we have a situation where P- the PIF, Newcastle's owners, have billions of pounds of assets in Clear Lake, who, who own the majority stake in, in Chelsea. And the PIF are also funding four Saudi Arabian clubs that, the P- that they are now selling um, all of Chelsea's fringe players to these clubs that they fund in Saudi Arabia. I mean, it's... It's this is this is financial doping. This is well, not really. I mean, look, I, I understand what you're saying, but it's legal, and you can you can't really argue it because uh, the difference here between ridiculously inflated sponsorship deals is that here at least there's actual players moving. You know, this isn't unless they are paying 180 million pounds for Koulibaly in transfer fees. You can't say that they are financially doping because someone like Koulibaly came for 40 million they sell him a year later for 30 million that's not that's not financial doping like that may, that that's that falls within the kind of perimeter this isn't plus valenza gate you know what i mean but it is for me the broader issue here is how is it okay for 
invest investment companies or or companies to own several clubs in in one league, which is essentially what PIF are doing now. Yeah. They it own, shouldn't be allowed. It shouldn't be multi multi club ownership should be banned. Full stop. Full stop. No, I agree um, with that. But but in, in but, any but, league, yeah, but, in but, any but, league, but now but, it's been expanded to the same league. I mean, it's it's, it's just this, yeah. And Chefferin, Chefferin essentially said, I mean, what was it a few weeks ago? What was that interview he did? He said, "We're gonna we we're gonna have to get used to this." And then he talks about financial fair play, and he talks about fair play. Full stop. It's it's ridiculous. We're, we're, the football is turning into WWE now. No, that's exactly what it is. I mean, you just you just have to you just have to laugh at it and just say. It's you know this is again why I am in favor of the European Super League because this current paradigm is turning into an absolute joke. It's turning into 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 Vince McMahon's WWE. It's 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 ridiculous. They're they're trying to invest in Sheffield United as well. No, Um, of course. No, why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? I mean, when there are no laws and rules in place, I'm not having to go at PIF. They 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 want to invest and they're following the framework. They want to invest in their in their league, and I think you know what they're doing with the Saudi league. You know, let's remember Saudi Arabia is not you know it's it's a big country. It has a huge population. It has a football mad population that has long has a long history as well. You know, they they, they are they there is football culture in Saudi Arabia, even if most people in West aren't aware of it. As someone who has who who has origin from Asia, Iran, Saudi Arabia, these South Korea, Japan, you know these countries have a, have have football history and culture. And what they are doing now is they want to build their own league. They want to open it up. They want to professionalize it. They have a huge fan base. Um, in in you know those stadiums, you know, go and watch the Saudi league. It, it's not it's not a Mickey Mouse league anymore. It's not. They have they have fans, you know. And and they they're just trying to improve their league, and I'm not I'm not surprised that they're bringing in Kante and and all these players, um, you know, Koulibaly, Kante, Ronaldo, all these. You know, they want to grow their league. They want to. Their goal is to have host a World Cup. They've seen Qatar do it. No problem with that. No problem at all. Football's for everyone. Yeah. It's for the globe. You know, yeah. the problem is here is you know we're Premier League. We, we we've got to a point now where you've got. Somebody, or you know, you've got the PIF that are funding multiple teams in one league. I mean, what, what's going to happen? They, they're going to own That's the whole league. That's because UEFA aren't doing their jobs. That's the problem. The problem is that Sheffield and UEFA have no problem with this. They're they're in favour of this because it suits their interests. But their interests aren't aligned with what's good for for all of European football. You know, UEFA's in it for their own sake because they have power and money. They're trying to protect that and. The European football is suffering as a result of that because there already is a European Super League. It's called the English Super League. It's more famously known as the Premier League. And now it's going on overdrive and steroids where one where you're going to see more and more companies invest in several different clubs in the Premier League. And that's just going to make the Premier League just dominate even more um, at the cost of everyone else. So. Yeah, for, for- the European Fo- Super League is done. needed now more I'm sorry, than sorry, but fo- football's completely done. It's completely... Club football is completely done. Yeah. I mean, what, what kind of a joke is this now, really? Hmm. What kind of a joke is this? I mean, hmm. but the thing is, I just want to say, like, just to be clear, the Chelsea thing... Well, here they're actually selling players. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's not inflated sponsorship deals. 
Uh, they're selling players for where uh, they're backdating contracts. Yeah, but, yeah, but they're not overpaying. They're, I mean, this is we have to wait and see again. If if Koulibaly they're, goes well, to Saudi Arabia for Koulibaly, hundred million euros, there, there's no way in a million years they were ever going to sell Koulibaly for thirty million, and there's no way they're ever going to find a team also that would pay his pay his salary as well. So, and it's the same. Goes but for still, all the players, that, but that's but not the same. point. That's not the point. The point is how much are they actually going to pay for him? It's still quite important though, because if there's no market for a player, then you're just well. There is a market for player. a player now. Somebody that this is what I mean. There is a market for this player. They want this player. Well, there's no the only, only offers. Joined. The only offers available for these players are loan deals. They can't sell these players. There's only mm. loan deals. All the offers for Koulibaly are loan deals from Italy, like mm. from Inter. Inter wants to sign Koulibaly, yeah, don't they? He's yeah. one of their offers. Now, now yeah. they can't sell him because because they're going to sell him for thirty million or whatever it is to mm. to a Saudi Arabian club. You know, so it's still yes, it's different. It's different. It's different. It's much it's different. Still, I, I don't. I don't. I wouldn't call this financial doping. I, I. For me, I mean, again, it depends. If Koulibaly is sold to Saudi Arabia for a ridiculous overprice inflated price then we can talk but that's not what we're talking about here we're talking about a player who joined chelsea for 40 million a year ago and is being sold a year later for 30 yeah that's, but they wouldn't sell him if they didn't buy him themselves for their own same entity which is well which is, they're not wrong. because is the no, same yeah, entity but, yeah, but at the same, but yeah but at the same time this isn't this is not in this is what i mean you can they're, say it's legal or illegal but it's totally wrong it should this should mm. not be it shouldn't be permitted in football so you yeah, know, well, as, that's, as, well, as long it. as UEFA allow it, then it's going to happen. And the fact that they are, they are not only not wanting to allow it, they're in favour of it. You heard what Sheffrin said. I watched his lips move when he said it. <laughs> yeah. mean, he said it. This is this is where he wants football to go. And then people have the audacity to talk about football being saved and you know and, and football being fair. How? I mean, it's it's a joke. No other professional sports allows. This this level. Well, that's what football has become. It's become a complete joke. Mm. It really has. They've destroyed. They've destroyed it. Okay, let's finish with Bad Joe in Prem Face of the Week. Bad Joe, Nima, what you got? Um, I I don't really have that much. I don't really have any. I think you tell you what. I I, I was thinking Fratesi because I think he was been he's been really good for Italy. Uh, mm. These these two games. So that's the only thing I've got to be honest. Um, I don't really have a Badger. I don't think we've seen anything Badger-esque this week. Okay, fair enough. Prem face. I've got. I've got two. <laughs> I'm going to go for our good old friend Rory Jennings, Rory the Tory, as he is known, um, who described Declan Rice as a, I quote, bargain at 100 million pounds. 100 million pounds. Declan Rice is a bargain, and I just. He, Declan Rice with Prem faces, uh, they're just obsessed with him. They are just obsessed with Declan Rice. It's this, again, another hallmark of the Prem face. If someone runs, works hard, puts in lots of tackles, they appreciate them so much more than they do skillful players. I don't know what it is, but Declan Rice seems to be the poster boy of it. And uh, yeah, he's on the way to, it looks like he's going to be on the way to Arsenal, although Man City might might come in. And you know, I think Declan Rice is a good player. Um, he's not my I think type he's of a player. Good player too. I think he's, he's a good a player. player. He's not my type of player. I think he's exceptional at protecting the back four, protecting the defence, that that kind of role. Um, but I think with the ball, I think he's very. I think he's limited, and I don't think he, he's somebody that controls the play. And, and I don't think his short game is good, and the little triangles that he can play, and and, and all that kind of stuff, which I think you need for big clubs. Um, you know, he's he's just not my kind of player. I appreciate the role that he does. Um, but to call it to call 100 million pounds uh, a bargain <laughs> for Declan Rice, I mean, 
yeah insane uh, my let's second remember face. let's remember yeah. that uh, rory jennings is the guy who said that about erling Haaland that he was going to be an absolute flop um in, in the yeah, he wouldn't score 15 goals yeah <laughs> and then he apologized to be fair we got to be honest he said oh, did he yeah he apologized to 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 erling Haaland and said yeah i was yeah i'm sorry i was wrong but yeah mm. he called he called erling Haaland a predicted him to be a flop transfer and the, i can't remember there was a guy in the room who when he said that had his hands bur- had his face buried in his hands and was couldn't even look at him because he was so dumb um when he said it but yeah it's uh, he apologized but yeah this is this is uh yeah this is the guy who says these things yeah my second prem face of the week is it's not really a prem face um it's just somebody that did something really stupid and bad uh, and that is the referee in the 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 playoff to get into Serie B Serie C playoff between Foggia and Lecco it was the first leg and Foggia would draw it was drew one all at the time in the first leg of this of this tie in Foggia and um full disclosure Foggia are my are my uh, my dad's uh, hometown team it's where my dad's from uh, isn't Zeman there no no Zeman's at Pescara Oh, he's back yeah, he's, there now. Sorry, yeah, you're right. Pescara. Yeah, he was. Yeah, Fodger yeah. actually beat Pescara in the in the play, the playoff yeah. routes in City of Cheat are ridiculously long. You have to play like a thousand rounds. <laughs> like, it's like a thousand uh, home and away rounds to get to the to the playoff final. And Fodger went through. It must have been about four or five uh, to get to the to get to the final. They played against Lecco, and um, the, the, so yeah, the first leg uh, they're drawing one all, and uh, Fodger scored a completely valid goal. Nothing wrong with it. To go two one up. Uh, their striker scored, former Inter player actually, that scored the goal. And um, and the referee disallowed it for, for a push. I mean, watch the replay. I mean, the guy doesn't even barely flicks his shirt. I mean, doesn't even barely touch him. It's the most ridiculous disallowed goal anyway. I Literally, love that you're angry at this. A minute later, a minute later, um, another chance for Fodger. Uh, Fodger players charging in, um, about to head it into an open net. Uh, a Leco defender comes up and with two hands pushes him out of the way of the ball uh, and the ball goes over. Um, it's a clear push. It should have been a, it should have been a penalty and, and probably a red card as well. And uh, the referee gives nothing. Now, so he, so in the space of a minute, he disallows a Fodger goal for, for, for the lightest touch ever and then doesn't give a, a Fodger a penalty for a massive push from the Leco player. Mm. Uh, Fodger totally dominated this first leg, and then Leco scored like, this wonder free kick, like three minutes from time. It's a miracle free kick from miles out. They won 2-1, and then he went to the second leg. And Fodger actually went 1-0 up in the second leg, and then mm. they had another, in the second leg, they had another uh, dodgy penalty given against them. Leco equalised, and then Fodger lost their heads, and they, and they lost. So Fodger stayed instead of the achieve. So I'm, uh, yeah. I'm very, I love when very you get. I, I love this. <laughs> you going down the, the the pyramid pyramid of Italian football and getting all angry about it. Yeah. Just, well, you want to hear something funny this. about it? I've got a good friend actually who's who's a Fodger fan who was going mad about it. But um, he, uh, the funny thing is, is I don't know if this is true. It, it sounds like this is something that is the kind of thing that Italian football fans would do. But uh, uh, it went viral on on Fodger Twitter and Fodger you know, Fodger, <laughs> Fodger Twitter, uh, Fodger, Twitter okay. or Fodger forums, you know, Twitter, <laughs> I uh, love this. internet forums. But the referee of the first leg that cheated them 
was the cousin of of one of the Leco players, <laughs> <laughs> and it went everywhere. It was spread around all social media, Facebook. Oh, I love I, this. I have no idea if it's true or not. Uh, it, something tells me that it's it's probably bullshit. Like, yeah, just made it probably up. is. Hopefully, <laughs> I, found, I found that hilarious. <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> so funny. It's it's like this is Italian football. The madness of Italian football is just this yeah. is when it's at its best. And the the further down the system you go, the pyramid you go, the more to the core you get. They are why. they are so passionate. I mean, if you'd have seen the yeah. fans in the stadium and you know for, for for a game down this far down, and I think that is one thing that is beautiful about Italian football. No, it's. The passion lower the passion down, lower for, down the, for, the, the for the teams. But yeah. I mean, Lecco, I mean, I would say one thing Lecco, it's their first time in 50 years they're in Serie B. And so, I mean, it is a nice story for them. But yeah, of course. Foggia got cheated, man. He yeah. Got cheated. <laughs> Justice for Foggia. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. So that is actually it now. Officially, the club season, I, I believe, is over, unless there's some other playoff uh, no. further down. I don't know. Yeah. No, it's. Yeah. We'll we'll see uh, the mercato. Yeah, no, that's that's uh, yeah. This, the club season is now over for Italy, at least that we can mm. say. Mm. Uh, I don't know of anything any other football going on right now in in Italy at club level. At at, at in one of the Serie A, Serie B, Serie C, Serie D, at least that's it. <laughs> so we can call it there. Uh, maybe there's some other football going on uh, at lower level, but I'm not aware of that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. We will be back on Tuesday for the Q and A. Then Thursday we will do the the yeah. Inter yeah. transfer the, the Mercato um, special. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, with we're Simone Tonia. Do... Yeah. I've, I've already confirmed with Simone, so we're going to do it then. Yeah. I'm so apologizing. There's lots to... to talk about. There's lots to talk about because Inter are actually very active in terms yeah. of yeah. who's no, coming in, going who's, go, who's going out. So that that will be a really good show. And yeah. Fratelli, for sure. Obviously, a big talking point. Kulibali, uh, Lukaku, Lukaku. Um, who also has offers from Saudi Arabia, by the way. Yeah, he does, but he doesn't want to go. No, he doesn't want to go. <laughs> Which is good. He wants to still play right. in the top level of European football. I don't know, man. I I have this thing where I'm thinking, you know, I understand if Simone wants Lukaku and, and all that, but I wouldn't mind if, you know, I, based on what we've seen, I'm not entirely convinced if keeping Lukaku would be such a good idea. I still It's probably it. not in the medium to long term, but you know what? Inzaghi might feel, you know what, I want to win the Scudetto next yeah, season. Yeah, fair enough. And fair you, enough. Juventus are a mess. Napoli look like they're in a bit of a mess. Milan, well, they're in a well, bit they're of a mess. Well, they're not in a... Well, yeah, but at the same time, Milan are buying, you know, okay, Maldini, it's Maldini signing, but the, the what's his name? The Japanese player's name eludes me. Um, Tamada, yeah. Yeah, that's the I mean, one. I mean, he's, he's going to be good for them. I think they're after Marcus Teram was on a free transfer. We'll see if he goes to PSG. If he goes to Milan, I will be very pissed off with Inter because I think, again, like with Dybala, instead of owning the player, you're going after someone you don't own. And I think Marcus Teram would have... It's someone Inter already wanted instead of Correa. And now they could have gotten him on a free and instead they insist on beating the dead horse that is Romelu Lukaku. I mean, I don't know, man. Mm. Um, it's, yeah. it's annoying. Well, enough about horses in today's show. <laughs> let's let's leave it at that. Um, we will be, like I said, back on Tuesday for the Q and A. So we will see you then. Until then, ciao, ciao.